Cinnabuds receive support from Associated Bank and Eyes on the Lake, I Care and I Wear. Cinnabuds, Cinnabuds, two buddies, buddies talking about cinema. Welcome, everyone. I'm Christopher Pollard from Milwaukee Film. From Radio Milwaukee, I'm Dory Zori. And this is Cinnabuds. And this week on Cinnabuds, we are talking about Wes Anderson's newest film, Asteroid City. You're not here. We're not there. The car exploded. Come get the girls. I have to stay here with Woodrow. I'm not the chauffeur. I'm the grandfather. Where are you? Asteroid City, Farm Route 6, Mile 75. Junior stargazers and space cadets. Each year we celebrate Asteroid Day, commemorating September 23rd, 3007 BC, when the arid plains meteorite made Earth impact. Asteroid City, the newest from Wes Anderson, takes place in a fictional town in the 50s-ish, mm-hmm. I'm guessing, uh, where the junior stargazers are meeting uh, a bunch of really smart kids who are interested in space. Would this go into your summer camp movie selections? Oh, yeah. I never thought about that. As a, <laughs> I guess it should be in the summer camp theme. Also, That's I got to say right off the bat, every time you say Asteroid City, all I hear is Paradise City from Guns N' Roses in my oh, head. So yeah. someone could make that happen for yeah. me. I would like it a Weird lot. Weird Al, please. <laughs> uh, this movie, Wes Anderson movies, come with a certain expectation, right? Yeah. Of storytelling. This one... I really liked, but also didn't like at the same time. I don't even, I was, hmm, how do I even go into this in the beginning? It looked cool. Like yeah. the colors and stuff, maybe one of my favorite Wes Anderson movies. Yeah. How it was shot made me kind of nauseous. Does that make <laughs> yeah, sense to yeah, you? Sure it does, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why, but For it was, sure. I do like how it went in and out. Like there's, is there a narrator? Yes. Yeah. It was basically about like a play that was being produced and the backs, like the the actors and directors talking about the play. And then it kind of morphed into what the play would be. But like yeah. in movie form, I right. thought that was really kind of cool. Yeah. Overall, I always worry that his style, which mm-hmm. seems to amp up with, with every film. Right. Like he has to top himself. Right. Mm-hmm. Is going to get old for me. Yeah. And that happened once when I saw Moonrise Kingdom. I was like not into that. And then I came back with a couple of the films. The overall feeling I have about Wes Anderson is I am very impressed about the stuff he does. I'm impressed with his films, and yet sometimes I don't enjoy them. Mm. This one is one I'm very impressed with, but I don't think I enjoyed it as much as other ones. Oh, my gosh. Yes, that encapsulates how I felt about it, too. But you can't beat this cast. One of his best, Jason Schwartzman, Scarlett Johansson, Tom Hanks, Jeffrey Wright, Brian Cranston, Ed Norton. Yeah. I mean, so many people in this movie. It goes on and on and on. Maya Hawk was kind of fun too. Um, There was something missing from this film. And I think if you want to know what I think is missing from this film (laughs) and was literally missing from this film, you're going to have to listen to the full podcast. Oh, that's a cliffhanger. We'll be right back. April showers bring May flowers, hot holes and flat tires. If you've been saving up for a rainy day, those days are here. If you're in need of a more reliable ride, donate your old one to Radio Milwaukee. Did you know? A single vehicle donation can be almost three times as valuable as a single cash donation. Think of it as a financial super bloom for this public radio station. Learn more by going to RadioMilwaukee.com. 
org slash cars. All right, so we're back. Yeah. Do you know, do you have any idea what was missing from this Wes Anderson film? Or who was missing yeah, I'm from this to, Wes Anderson oh, film? Oh, would it be Bill Murray? It was Bill yeah, Murray. Yeah. <laughs> His, who I think was supposed to be in it mm-hmm. and then couldn't for one reason or another. Uh, that reason, COVID-19. Oh, was that what it was? Yeah, COVID-19 right as they started production. So he was replaced by Steve Carell. Oh, that he was going to be that, that, mm-hmm. that would have made sense for Bill Murray to be that character. That's really funny. And it was the first film since 1990-something that Bill Murray wasn't in, 1996's oh, wow. film. And then um, do you also know that Little Miss Sunshine, which starred Steve Carell, was originally supposed to star Bill Murray. Oh, weird. But he bowed out for, I don't know what reason, not COVID-19. Steve, uh, Steve Carell's getting a lot of... Cast offs <laughs> from Bill Murray. I mean, not a bad place to be in the lineup no, of Hollywood. Not at all. That's really fun. All right. So I really like what you said about this film um, in the beginning of the podcast. You didn't really care for it, but yeah, it's impressive. But I didn't always enjoy it. What did you? What made you not enjoy it? Well, again, so here are the things that I always say, and I'll just quickly repeat them, and then I'll get. I always say that I just worry that his style is going to get too. Like, I'm going to be over it at mm-hmm. some point. I said that right before I went to see Moonrise Kingdom, in which I kind of shot myself in the foot by thinking that, and then immediately, like, yeah, I'm kind of over it. And then I came back for his subsequent movies. So I don't, you know, I like him as a filmmaker. I'm glad he exists, and I'm glad that he keeps making these movies that are very different approach to comedy, to this kind of storytelling. But I don't always enjoy it, and that's fine. Um, so the thing is that, his characters get more and more deadpan as mm-hmm. he goes on. Um, he's had some with more or less. But when all the characters have a kind of a deadpan approach, mm. I again, it's almost equal. I appreciate what you're doing. Right. 100%. Because maybe that's how you feel in your heart. Yeah. Or maybe it's a stylistic choice. It's obviously a stylistic choice and an artistic choice that is interesting. But it's not hilarious all the time. Right. I also find myself... And this is okay, too. I don't laugh out loud. I laugh at the drop of a hat. My wife will tell you. <laughs> um, I laugh very easily at comedies. I don't laugh out loud at Wes Anderson movies. Mm-hmm. Even though I find something funny, I, I more often go, oh, that was funny. That's more of like an amusement <laughs> yeah. as opposed to like a laugh out loud. Yeah, so they're not, for me, laugh out loud comedies, but they're smart comedies and they're interesting approaches to them. Do you think he could benefit from working with writing partners or do you think he will never do well, something like that? Oh, he well, does? In this one, the story was Roman Coppola works with him a lot. Okay. And back in the day, he worked with like Luke Wilson and his oh, early comedies. Mm-hmm. Uh, not Luke Wilson, Owen Wilson, I think. Same difference. Just yeah, kidding. They're brothers. Oh, Wilson. The more talented <laughs> yeah, brother. One of them, yeah. Don't add us, Wilson I brothers. Think it's Owen Wilson. Anyway, one of them. The blonde or the brunette? I, re- I know who they are distinctively, but I just don't remember which of them worked on it. Gotcha. <laughs> I can identify them in a lineup, but I don't know who writes. Fair. Um, and then Noah Baumbach, he worked with him. On, mm. So the, he's co written with people. And you can, if you like, Concentrate. You can go, oh, I can see how this is a Noah, this is a Roman, this is, you know. Gotcha. With with him, with Wes Anderson, obviously. But I think Roman Coppola has been like more steadily. I think he wrote this by himself. They just came up with a story together in this particular instance. But he's written with them in the past, to be specific. Um, 
I don't know what it is. I, I don't want to say there's not any heart in the movie, but I don't feel a lot for the characters. I'm more interested or fascinated mm-hmm. would be something I would feel rather than like invested. Yeah. And I think that's the connection for me. Disconnect for me. Agree. Like when you get invested, that's what takes a movie from a three star to a four or yeah. five star in my book too. When you really care, you think about the characters after the movie's over. Yeah, I wasn't, I mean, Scarlett Johansson was pretty great. So, I mean, there's people digging it and yeah. they're always going to dig his movies. I don't think it's going to get as many nominations or awards as he has in the past yeah. because of the reasons why. I think so. I mean, it's interesting. I think, so I was reading on like Letterboxd, people who were responding, who loved it. Okay. And there was one guy who said, if I hear the phrase style over substance, I'm going to launch you to the moon or something like that. Mm. And I wanted to say, here's the reason you said that. Either because you see that criticism, but you still like it, which is fine. Mm -hmm. Or enough people have said style over substance to where it becomes kind of a legitimate criticism Even if you don't agree, that's perfectly fine. I don't think there's style over substance. I think there's a ton of style, and I think there's a ton of substance. I just don't know that that substance is, like, making it to me. Like, I see it. I appreciate it. Like, more of, of like, an intellectual fascination and appreciation rather than a visceral one, like an emotional one. I was, when I watched it over the weekend, I was kind of in the mood just to veg out and see something cool. So I feel like maybe some of the intelligence of this movie maybe bypassed me in my like vegetative state. Yeah, you got to be in the right because it's so fast too. That's another thing. I feel like each movie gets faster and faster. Mm. There's so much coming at you, which I liked in the last, in French Dispatch, I would liked how like, oh, I'm going to have to see this twice. It was very clever. Uh, and quick, but this one is like lightning fast. You have to really, what did they just say? What's going on? (laughs) One of the cool things that I found out after watching the movie, so it was filmed in Madrid, yeah, which is kind of cool. And you know, I, how they had the, they described the town in the, in the notes of producing the play. And then they go to like what the town actually looks like. And they're scanning around and you see the bridge that they talked about yeah. the highway that was half built to nowhere. Right. I always just thought that it's like a scale model or something. Yeah. Right. Cause they do that a lot. Apparently that thing was built in real life because I read that Jason Schwartzman would go by himself and lay on that thing during <laughs> in between filming as like his private little like chill place. Oh really? Yeah. Oh that's it's funny. Isn't that wild? What's even wilder to me is that it's a location. Right. <laughs> like cuz the movie feels like it does not need to be a location. Like it looks all sets. It looks right. like it's all intentionally the background's obviously painted. You see a little CGI mm-hmm. Roadrunner uh, or something. So it makes it more interesting that it was filmed yeah. in a location and that that highway to nowhere even though it's built of cardboard not concrete that it was big enough for jason schwartzman to go chill on (laughs) i kind of like that the music in this movie also pretty great yeah he always i mean he always nails that too Mm -hmm. a little jarvis cocker i was very proud of myself also yelling out who the artists were oh yeah much to my (laughs) husband's dismay that would actually be really fun to watch with you. Oh, would it? <laughs> yeah, I'm so. glad you think so. <laughs> uh, we got some Burl Ives and some Hank Williams in there, so which kind of made sense for the time, but then it also had some more modern rock, yeah. which is always interesting when music from 
not an era of the film yeah. that is really set in is put in there. One of the first things I watched that did that to me was Peaky Blinders. Oh, really? And now like they Peaky Blinders has a lot of contemporary music in there. And I think it's kind of neat. Oh, yeah. I do if like it's that. done well. Yeah, it has to be done well because I've seen movies where it's a period film and they use contemporary film and it takes me out of it. Mm-hmm. But that's not always the case. You just have to kind of be mindful and where you put in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he always does a good job with the this all that stuff. Yeah. The look of it, the sound of it. The actors are great. Again, I, I did not dislike this movie. I just don't like it in the same way I feel like I liked his early films. I think that might be a better way of saying it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I really enjoyed Adrian Brody. Yeah. I love Adrian Brody. I don't know. Is he a good human, I think? <laughs> I, I hope he is. Yeah, I don't have to not enjoy him. I know. We always have him. to cross our fingers. But um, it was just kind of cool. Like, I really do like how they went from being in the movie to making you realize this was actually supposed to be about a play Yeah. with the backstage scenes. That's I'm glad you brought that up, too, because that's another thing that I've said a couple times. I would love two things. I would love for Wes Anderson to do an actual play. Ooh. I would pay top yes. dollar to go to a play with all the mechanical nature of his, like the sets moving and the pieces that are always, mm-hmm. I would love to see that in a play. And that's what I thought when I saw Moonrise Kingdom, which I did not enjoy, <laughs> but I kept saying, oh, cause there's like a small play in the film. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time I thought, oh, I pay so much to see a play by Wes Anderson. I wonder if he was ever approached. He has to yeah. have thought about that, right? Yeah, you'd think you'd want like a, somebody of his caliber would like, oh, what was my next challenge? Unless he's just so obsessed with filmmaking that he's like, nope, it's just I'm going to plug away with this. Only films. But the other thing I would love to see uh, is a book. I would read short stories written by Wes Anderson mm-hmm. because if I think about all the dialogue in that film. And how quick it is and clever. If that were written in prose form and like you, the dialogue, I would love that book. I would love it even more if there every couple pages there was a pop-up of his Exa- awesome yeah. sets and the pop-ups move like you could spin things. The, and The publisher that wouldn't include illustrations in a book written by Wes Anderson should be evicted from the industry. <laughs> how are you succeeding at publishing <laughs> yeah. if you're going to yeah. do that? That's an opportunity wasted. So overall, um, I know this movie is streaming right now. You can watch. Um, did I miss anything by not seeing it in a theater? Yeah. I mean, I think when I was watching it, too, I kept thinking, had I seen this in the theater, like I saw French Dispatch, which has some similarities with the quickness and, the, you know, it's the all very, you know, same kind of style and everything. And I love French Dispatch, but this one I was just like. I think I would have benefited from having seen it in the theater. Mm. Yeah. But that's always the case, I think, too. What question should we ask our listeners? They made it 15 minutes into this podcast. Yeah. What do we want to know about Asteroid City from our listeners? I mean, I kind of either I would love to know what your I mean, this is a real boring. What's your favorite Wes Anderson movie, Mm -hmm. which I actually find interesting because there are phases of his movies. So I'd love to know your favorite Wes Anderson movie or your favorite Wes Anderson regular player Ooh. Like the, he has a cast that he uses so much. I'd love to know who they like the best. I love that he uses Jeffrey Wright yes. in all of his films, even though he always has a small bit. Jeffrey Wright is one of my favorite actors, and he's always he's almost almost always like a character actor. But he was famously played Basquiat in the film Basquiat. Oh my That's god! Where I first fell in love with him. Yeah. yeah, me too. I just recently rewatched that, and I did not realize until I rewatched it. Um, within the last couple of years that that was 
him. Oh yeah, yeah. Because he just looks. I mean, he was so he's much younger, right? It was early nineties, mid nineties. Yeah, so good. Also, that dude could do Shakespeare. Like he just, he just seems like there's no role that he couldn't kill. Yeah, I loved him in Westworld. Yeah, he's such a good character. He's mm-hmm. just, I want more of him, and so I only, I feel like I only get little bits, <laughs> get little, little bits, bits of him here and there. And I want more Jeffrey Wright. Oh, more Jeffrey Wright. Sometimes we go throughout the weekend, like, what should we watch? And we've started typing in actors' names to the search engines, and Jeffrey Wright's going to be typed in next. That is a smart thing to do, yeah. Paul Rudd's always a good one to type in, too. Oh, yeah. To see what maybe you missed along (laughs) the way. Asteroid City. It looks really, really cool. I wonder what the... the, so there's like blues and yellows and greens. I'd love to see the yeah. storyboard, the mood board, and the colors that inspired this film. Absolutely. I think you should check it out. It's on Peacock. Sadly, you missed it in the theaters. So did we, though. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it his movies, whether you enjoy them in one way or mm-hmm. the other, are, are not to be missed. And uh, Alien Green is also one of my favorite colors. Yeah. Oh, Just I'm sorry. At the very end, I have to say my f- absolute favorite part of the movie was when the alien comes Shut down. So much personality. The sort of stop motion animation of this very funny, <laughs> like, and, uh, but I when, just, that sequence is so good. The stop motion animation of the actual alien was great, yeah. but then when they switched it back to this is a play, the, yeah. did you see the character that was in the alien <laughs> oh, suit? Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. All right, we're not going to tell you. You're going to have to wait till yeah. the end and find out yourself. It is going to delight you because to have such a huge name just sitting in that alien suit <laughs> as you pan behind the scenes for like two seconds yeah. I think is fabulous. It's very funny. Alright. So check it out. What else have we been watching Dory Zori? Well I've been watching a lot of music videos. Oh. I've been thinking about starting a little segment um, at Radio Milwaukee just us on social media like um, coming off the weekend dropping a music video on oh, Monday yeah. and have everyone watch. So I've just been watching a plethora of music videos. Jungle, this UK band, just dropped their album. And they do some really cool things with their music videos. Since day one, they've always had. It's very stylistic. The band is hardly ever in it. And it's like dance performances yeah, um, or roller skating or something really cool. And the videos that they've put together for the last two albums, kind of, you could watch them consecutively and they kind of tell this bigger story. So uh, any of the videos that Jungle has ever made, but especially for this new album, watch I mean, it's some of the best dancing and choreography oh, really? where like I get emotional watching yeah. them dance, <laughs> oh, wow. if that makes sense. That's fantastic. You know, I don't think I've sat and watched a full music video in years. It's joyful. I'm sad that MTV's long ago abandoned its original platform of showing music videos because I remember I was so invested in them and I feel like I don't seek them out mm-hmm. in the same way. So. Hopefully I will inspire yeah, you to watch Yeah, I know. I more. would like to dig back in on that. What I should just Google my favorite artists and see videos I've missed. You should. And if you need a place to start, OK Go, no matter how you feel about their music, which I think they're a good like indie pop band, alternative pop band, make the they most do. interesting music videos Those that I defy the laws of gravity. <laughs> or actually yeah. use the laws of physics and gravity to their benefit yeah. in all these videos. I will say I've seen all of those because... Not only are they music videos, they're instantly 
runaway success online. Like they're going to pop up no matter what. Right. Uh, even if you're like, oh, you don't look at videos, but you're still going to watch an OK Go video because it has this magic and craziness in it. Yeah. No, I love those. What have you been watching this week? I saw a documentary that I missed at the film festival in April, May. And it was our closing night film called A Disturbance in the Force, How the Star Wars Holiday Special Happened. What? This was our, I was so excited to see it. And for one reason or another, I couldn't make it and it was working. So um, it is a documentary about a famous, like one of those things that happened in the 70s and 80s where it was like a special, like a variety special happened on TV for one night. And it was right after Star Wars came out and became a huge success, but Empire hadn't come out. And they're thinking, well, we got to keep it in the consciousness while we're waking, making this. This was one of the things that they chose. George Lucas was had very little involvement, which is unusual for him. <laughs> and it was a bunch of, it was like Harvey, Harvey Corman and B. Arthur. <laughs> B. Arthur mm-hmm. uh, was in it. And but then also the entire cast of the actual Star Wars were cont- contractually obliged to be in it. There were musical sequences. There was a, the one of the best things that came from it was an actual animated sequence, like a short animated film that actually holds up. It's the animation is very cool. But it is just through the clips and everything you can see. It's abysmal. And George Lucas famously said, "If I had time and a hammer, I would make sure this never saw the light of day." Well, how did they get Harrison Ford to do this? Is what I'd like to know. Contract. It was just contract. Like he, it was early in his career, so he's contractually obligated to do. Even Mark Hamill too, who wasn't that big a deal, he tried to get out of it. There's also a little bit of a Donnie and Marie special they did right before it that I don't think. I think Mark Hamill was in, but not the rest of them. That made me feel gross. It was so embarrassing. So it was just, it's a very funny, and it's also, that's like a, one of those Easter eggs for true Star Wars fans. Mm -hmm. Like back in the day before the internet, people would trade copies of this because they're like, oh, I got (laughs) to see the Star Wars special. So it's just funny to see this little bit of nostalgia and like deep dive into the uh, super fans. I am a super fan. I would like to watch this documentary because I do remember the pain that was caused by that Christmas special, (laughs) including my own pain. So it would be good to watch. Do you remember? Did you see it? Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And you know what? If I guess if they had a crystal ball, they would have known they didn't have to have a Christmas special to keep (laughs) Star Wars franchise atop of people's minds. Right. But um, yeah, it's just I just and once a in a while, disaster though. During the holidays, you'll find like little memes of stills from that, oh, and it's yeah. kept that alive in my Life mind this day. whole time. How did you watch it? Um, actually, I had a little insider okay, because gotcha. I do posters for this group that uh, worked on it. Okay, so I got to see it, but I'm sure I am sure that it will be online uh, sooner than later. How can a a rube like what's I the feel, origin of the oh, word that's rube? That's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> How can a plain, plain old, non-film connected person watch it? Well, it's not available yet online. So I think it's still in between doing a festival run and then being like streaming somewhere. Yeah, because it it just, it didn't premiere, I don't think, at our festival, but it was, it's in the festival run as of like April and May. Gotcha. So hopefully by the end of the year. Oh, it'd be great if it came out for Christmas. Oh, that will be a treat. All I'll right. see if I have a little any inside tips from the company. Sounds good. Thanks. <laughs> I mean, Princess Leia for life. I know. It it is a really entertaining doc and the people who work on it are really talented. <laughs>
<laughs> but yeah, that's what we've been watching. All right. Thanks for listening to another Cinebuds podcast. We'd like to thank our producer, Kim Shine. Yeah, and we'd like to thank Newski for our wonderful, wonderful song. And we have two fantastic sponsors yes. that want to support this podcast. So make sure you give lots of love to Associated Bank and Eyes on the Lake, I Care and I Wear. Fantastic. And of course, we love you, our Mm -hmm. members of Radio Milwaukee and of Milwaukee Film. We couldn't do this without you. If you find any joy in Cinebuds, and I'm hoping you do because you made it to the end, help us grow. (laughs) Share this podcast with one friend this week and let's see what we can do together. Yeah, and join us on Instagram at Cinebuds Podcast. Until next time, we'll see you where? At the movie probably. Bye. Bye.